Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. friends, welcome back to Walk It Out. Every week, I love talking to amazing people about their journeys in following God's Word. It's amazing where God leads when we dare to take steps of faith. Out of all the times I've dared to step out and follow God, I've never been disappointed. If deep down I feel God is asking me to do something, He has always showed up. Sometimes not in the way I expect, but He's always there. And Jesus does more than I ever hoped or imagined. Let me share today about one of those times. Today's interview is with my friend, Marlo Shalesky. I met Marlo in 1994 when we were both in our 20s attending the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference. Both of us had dreams of getting a novel published. Oh, those sweet little innocent 20-year-old girls. Anyway, looking back now, God has done so much more than both of us could have imagined. He was there. He just needed us to take these huge steps of faith. You see, at the time I attended the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference, I was 22 years old and pregnant with my third baby. I'd been a teen mom at age 17, and then I prayed for a future husband who would love me, love my son, and love God. And God brought me John Goyer. John and I had Leslie when I was 20, and then just a little over a year later, I became pregnant with Nathan, so they're only 22 months apart. And it was during that time when also God was doing more in my heart. He was really stirring what was I created for and what his plans were for me. I met that my friend Cindy during that time, and she told me she was working on a Christian novel. And when she said that, something in my soul just lit up. I'd grown up loving to read, and more than anything, I loved the idea of writing Christian novels. I just thought that would be the coolest thing ever. Of course, I was just this 22-year-old kid with only my high school diploma, and I had no idea where to even begin with that, and this is where God showed up. Cindy and I heard about the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference, and we attended together. The conference is held in the beautiful Redwoods near Santa Cruz, California, and it was the first time I'd ever gone to any type of professional conference, and it sounds strange, but being there, I really felt God's pleasure. It's in the beauty of the redwoods and those hilly trails that I felt Jesus. As we sang hymns and prayed in the auditorium, I felt that God had a plan and a purpose for my life as I met new friends who dared to believe in my dream and wanted to encourage me, like Marlo, who we'll be talking to today, I felt a sense of wonder. God had filled this world with amazing people, and I truly understand for the first time what a supportive Christian community looked like. The day before the conference, I was just a too young mom that questioned my future. But when Jesus met me among the redwoods, everything changed. I changed. I had a new hope, a new purpose, and a new vision for my future with new friends by my side. I wanted something out of that conference. Now information how to get published, how to become a novelist, maybe a little success. (laughs) That was my prayer. 
Instead, Jesus gave me himself. He let me see him in new ways, and in that place, he silenced the lies that said I couldn't accomplish anything because I was a teen mom. His presence brought hope and healing in my life. I talk more about all that God has done in and through my writing in my book, Walk It Out. And as Marlo and I have both experienced, when we dare to step out and follow God, he put so much more into our lives, into our hearts than we ever imagined. He put those seeds there for a reason. He wanted them to grow. He put a desire for us to write there, but it wasn't just for us. It was for all those people who would be impacted by our words. God showed up and worked in amazing ways, but mostly he gave us himself, which changed everything. Now today, Marlo and I will be talking about what happens when we encounter Christ when life hurts. Neither of us are those naive 20-somethings anymore. Life has been harder than we both imagined. Both of us have faced very hard things. Marla will share some of those hard places that she's been through today. Yet, even though we've faced hard things, we've experienced God in ways we never imagined. We both believe that life is better than we ever thought. Why? Because even in the midst of hard stuff, we have found Jesus there. We've dared to reach for wonder and have found him in new ways. I hope as you listen, you'll consider more about what reaching for wonder will look like in your own life. Enjoy this interview with Marlo. Well, welcome to Walk It Out. And I am so thrilled to introduce a friend who has been a friend for many, many years. I need to pause and think about it. 20 Four years, I think. Nathan just turned 24. So 24 years. So I want to welcome my dear friend, Marlo Shaleski. And we're going to be talking about her new book, Reaching for Wonder, Encountering Christ When Life Hurts. But first, Marlo, I would just love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself and your family. Ah, yes. I have six children. And it's a fun story because we had many years of infertility first, and these are all of our children had later in life. So the oldest is 18. She graduates this year and is going off to Cal Poly, and she's going to be a landscape architect. And my youngest is, oh gosh, she just turned seven. She's getting so old. So we have a house full of kids. We have uh, over 50 animals. So we have a whole menagerie there. I, a couple of years ago, I opened Wonderwood Ranch for uh, all kinds of at-risk kids, gang-impacted, low-income, and we bring them out to ride horses and do all that kind of fun stuff and interact with those 50-some animals. And I write books. I think this one will be number 11 now, and many, many articles. In fact, I've got six due this week, and the articles, I don't know how I'm going to get them done. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at my to-do list thinking... What am I thinking? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and I'm just, I just love just hearing your voice because we haven't talked in such a long time, but we met at the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference in 1994. I'm, I was pregnant with Nathan. So 1994, and we met, and he's this big old 24-year-old now, and we came, became part of a prayer group called One Heart, and we just have prayed through everything. So we talk about your years of infertility. I just remember just praying for so many years, and even um, when your oldest, Bethany, was born, I remember getting photos from her, and like I have this file 
So I'll, somewhere on my computer, I have a Bethany file of all her little <laughs> baby photos because it was like it was just such a, a part of my heart, just praying for her and uh, praying for you and Brian, and just to see that there's six kiddos now. I just love how God has done that. Oh, it's hilarious! I walk through Target now, and it's a crowd. I'm like, how did I go from years and years and years of all of us praying and hoping together. And now there's this giant crowd whenever I go and do anything. <laughs> I love it. And it's so funny because, uh, you know, I wonder if our just prayers got stuck on repeat. So like, we're like, okay, here's another one. Here's another one. And then you have twins in the middle of there. So that's like a double dose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were aiming for three kids back before we knew we were going to deal with infertility. And that's the one number we never had. So we went from two to four in the course of 20 minutes there. So yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, you even talk about well, you talk you open the book, um, uh, reaching for wonder with the story about your son. And I know that you've had a lot of just health problems and scary times with him. Do you want to share just a little bit about that? Yeah, about must be three years ago. Now, we noticed that something wasn't right with our son, Jaden, he was six years old at the time, and seemed like he was drinking a lot of water. And we took him in, and it turns out he has type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease. They don't know what causes it. There's no cure. It never goes away. But what happens is your autoimmune system attacks the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin. So now we have to give him insulin and just the right amount, and it is a tough disease. We have methods to take care of it, but you have to monitor it every day, 24 seven, we're looking and making sure it's not too low because he could go into a coma and die. Or if he gets too high, his organs can shut down and he can die. So it's like, oh my goodness, what a disease. So in the book, I share about this, this constant vigilance that's needed in an already busy life to make sure that he is healthy and is functioning like he should. And he can, if we can keep that blood sugar in range, he can go about his business just like any other little boy. But it is a lot of work and it's a lot of scary times because we don't know. Sometimes his blood sugar will drop for seemingly no reason. And that is super, super scary. He all of a sudden will get very sleepy. And and one time he started to fight us and wouldn't drink juice. So like, ah, every minute it's like, ah, I have other things to do. So it's not like I can just send him off to school like I do my other kids, and wait till he gets home. Instead, I have sit here by my phone. In fact, right now, I can tell you his blood sugar is 83 and steady. It's just perfect for a fasting blood sugar. So hooray, but I'm sitting by the monitor right now. Wow. So you do you just have to monitor that all day long? All day long. So I just glance over. I have a He has a little implant that we have to um, change about once a week. And it will give us a blood sugar reading about every five minutes. So as long as that's working, it's pretty easy to take care of this because I can see things coming. But sometimes it's not working right or it's in its two-hour warm-up or it just goes out. And then we're flying blind. And that's very scary. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've only been talking for five minutes. And already I mean, we've talked about infertility. We've talked about this autoimmune disease, which uh, one of our adopted girls actually has an autoimmune disease too. And we, we knew it before the adoption, but it's, she has vasculitis. So her body attacks her um, blood vessels and she has, so she needs to be on steroids and we have to take her to the doctor every two weeks for blood tests, you know, so it's not 
the monitoring is not the same. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think I never, you know, when I thought about having kids, I never thought about autoimmune diseases and, and all these things. And I know you never had thought about infertility until you struggled with this. And I think that's, that's, there's so many hurts in this life. And that's what the, the subtitle is encountering Christ when life hurts. And these are things we don't expect, but life is just super hard. I mean, we have in our family, a, a marriage that failed recently. And, you know, we have difficulty with kids sometimes. And I mean, all of us have hurts. And I think the older we get, it's like, okay, how's this year going to go? <laughs> you know, What's going to crop up? And often there's all these hurts. But what I love about your book, um, Reaching for Wonder, is that Christ is there. And will you just tell us a little bit about just the overview of um, how you chose to write the book in this way, and then maybe share of these encounters that you saw as you opened God's Word? Oh, absolutely. I started thinking about just this idea of finding what it's like to encounter Christ at your worst moments. And I was just wanting to figure that out and see something new in these um, little stories in scripture. And no sooner had I thought, hey, I think I'd like to think about that, than life got so hard. My oldest daughter that we talked about, she got to get a stalker. That was just great. So we dealt with that, and we found that guy in our house. Oh, my goodness. One night. And it was during, we had a big storm, so we had six days of the power out, and it was during that time, so it's not like I could just, oh, let's call the sheriff. Nope. So we're sitting in here, and he's threatening my family, my kids, me, Brian, everybody. We finally got him out, but then we had to try a restraining order, which is very difficult to serve. I had no idea because normally I wouldn't deal with this kind of thing. It's like everything just seemed to go south all at once. And we were having financial issues with Brian's work and that creates marital issues. And then Jaden's blood sugar issues. It's like, really? This is so hard. And the cool thing was, though, that Reaching for Wonder then became the book I needed. So I'm like, you know what? I need to go into scripture and find what I need to make to make it through this and to see Christ in a new way. What is he like when life hurts? How is it different from regular? And so I pulled and looked at all these very familiar encounters with Christ in the New Testament where people were kind of at life's worst points. Look at, um, for example, the Samaritan woman by the well or the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years or blind Bartimaeus who's been blind for a very long time woman who had just lost her son, the widow. So all these, pl- all these stories where people are just kind of at their wits end. And I love the format of the book because I come to it in the introduction of each chapter with my questions and how I think this chapter is familiar but unfamiliar and the strange things I see. And then we do this really fun fictional section where I've put a lot of theology in because I really, really want my readers like me to be able to encounter Christ with the people in the New Testament. So I just tell it like I think it should have been or probably was for the person in first person. So the woman at the well, she talks about how she's walking up to the well, seeing the disciples leave, seeing the stranger or the man with legion of demons. It's like he sees this stranger on the shore 
after a big storm and wanting to go toward him and everything within him wanting to go back and not knowing what to do. My hope is that by encountering Christ with these people from the New Testament and then studying in the next part of the chapter, we do the studying of that little story and see what God's like in it and what it means to encounter him in these ways, that the reader is going to really be able to be face-to-face with Christ and find the same kind of inner healing and find the surprising things about Jesus that they hadn't thought of before that will really help in the journey because, wow, life is hard for everybody. I have my stuff, you have your stuff, but everybody has their stuff. Everyone gets their own little journey of difficulty. And that's just what it is. Right. And I just love how you just used all your strengths and pulled them into one book. I love your novels. <laughs> I mean, just your fiction. I, you know, Even as I read these fictionalized parts, I'm like, this sounds so much like Marla. I just love because it's just you are there with the person and you just bring things to life. But also, you are such a deep thinker. And, a, you know, what does this mean? And what if we look at this? And already in the first chapter, I'm like, I never thought of it that way before. And so it, it's just a wonderful. In fact, I was thinking, um, as I am reading this, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to use this for homeschool. I'm totally writing it into our curriculum. And I read devotions every morning um, with our kids. And sometimes we'll do color pages as they learn you know, the different books of the Bible or, or different things. Um, and this year, one of the books we read is called The Whole Bible Story. And it just explains like the whole Bible from, you know, Genesis to Revelation as, as a one long story, which it is. Um, but I'm like, okay, now it's going to be a perfect time as we begin next year to, to pull out individual people and take it into their lives. And here they are with Christ. You know, we've, we've skimmed over all these stories, but I cannot wait with my kids to um, really dig in and, and let the Bible come alive. And then they have the questions there. Cause I always get these questions from my kids. They're probably like your kids. They're like, what about this? What about that? I'm like, uh, <laughs> but, but you already have the questions in there. And then let's think about that. And let's talk about that. And so I think it's going to be a wonderful book just to even have for my kids, especially my older teens. Yeah. I, I loved writing this book. Each and every chapter I came to God and said, look, I've read this story before. I know this story now. I need to see something new and different, something that matters deeply. Show me. And he did every single chapter. He would show me something that I hadn't seen before. And that was just really meaningful to me. I'm like, oh, oh, I can see now and see Jesus in a way I hadn't, which was so helpful and healing and exciting. I love that so much. And also the, the other part I think my kids will love is that you talk about Wonderwood Ranch. Okay. And you mentioned 50 animals. I'm like, my kids would die and go to heaven if they were ever at your ranch. Uh, Nathan had a dog and the dog moved out when Nathan moved out. And our kids are like every day, we want more pets. We have a rabbit. That's much. That's all we have right now. They love animals so much, but I would love to hear more about Wonderwood Ranch and really what was your desire when you set up this ranch? Well, I have all those kids and I live on on 16 acres here near Salinas. Now Salinas is, we have a really high murder rate and a lot of that is youth violence and gang violence and all that kind of thing. So I live in a community that really needs hope. And so here I am with all my animals because I have all my kids, or at least some of them at that point. (laughs) And I got a call from my pastor 
who had gotten a call from the leader of the Community Alliance for Safety and Peace, who works for the city, who had gotten a call from a sergeant, a police sergeant, who had a relationship with kids on the very worst street in the very worst part of town. And he had a relationship with a group of kids that live in an apartment complex there. So they were looking for somewhere to ride horses. So it gets all the way to me and I'm like, oh, sure, bring them out. This would be fun. So the police officer brought out this group of kids and it was amazing. I, I saw the hand of God. I thought, wow, here I have kids that are traumatized almost every day. They've come out again after there's been a murder next door to their apartment complex. I mean, just right there. They've come in February and told me that they can't go outside to play anymore. There's already been too many shootings in their neighborhood. And it's like February 7th. And I'm like, this year, you mean in a month and a week, there's so many shootings, you can't go outside. So they're stuck in their apartments, all crammed in there with however many families that live there and nowhere to even breathe. And out here, they can breathe, they can run, and they just come to life. I find kids with hoodies up and staring at their shoes, and within 30 minutes, their they're whole demeanor has changed. They're telling you their whole life story. They're full of hope, and it's like I've done nothing. So we started it because they came out, and I thought, this is what our community needs. They need animals. They need hope. They need fun. They need joy. They need to just come out and, I don't know, cook a hot dog around a campfire, just anything. Learn archery. So a couple of years ago now, I just made a nonprofit charity, did all that paperwork, opened it up. And since then, we've had so many kids out. It's been just the coolest thing. We have kids from little kids that are in these gang impacted neighborhoods to actual youth gang members who are trying to get out of the lifestyle. We've had blind and visually impaired kids. We've had homeless kids. Oh, we just had a bunch of like almost 80 homeless out a couple weeks ago. That was fun. Having kids. It's like, is that a real donkey? It's like, oh, yes, <laughs> come pet the real donkey. Of course it is. And we have this tree house. It's like, oh, I've never been in a tree house. And up they go. And it's like, I've always dreamed of riding a horse. And off they go riding a horse. Oh, it's so simple. It's complicated, but it's so simple in some ways. We just let the animals do the work and we care. Like everything here is about like looking a kid in the face and letting him you know know that we care about you. You matter here. Yeah, get on a horse. Learn about how to pick a horse's hoof. Learn some archery. Pet a bunny. We've got what nine bunnies and two chinchillas, and the kids love that. It's just I can't even say. It's so amazing what we see here. So for the first year, we had about a couple hundred kids out. This well, Last year was like 300. And this year, probably over 1,000 kids will minister to through this. It's just exploding. But it's all the same as the book, you know? It's like, I really believe wonder is the way to get to our souls, that breathtaking moment. 
where you see a glimpse of God where you didn't expect him. Absolutely. You know, and that's, I just love everything that you're saying about this because, you know, we moved from rural Montana, which is the middle of nowhere. <laughs> there was cows out the in the pasture behind our backyard, you know, to um, Little Rock. And right away, God clearly led us to an inner city church. So we actually drive from the suburbs into the inner city where I'm, our church is right across from the apartment complexes like you talk about. Um, Little Rock has a high violence rate, just like Salinas. I mean, there's every day there's shootings. I had to turn off notifications on my phone for the news because I don't want to hear it. It's so depressing, <laughs> especially because we're like going to church and our, our teen mom support group is in this area. And, you know, I'm in there with the, the teen moms every Thursday night and sometimes their baby daddies come and, um, you know, I see the kids too, like that you're talking about that have never left their neighborhood that, um, have family members that they've lost in violence. In fact, one meeting I asked these young moms, I'm like, how many of you lost a family member, like a brother or a cousin or someone close to you in violence? Every single one of them raised their hand. Um, one of our teen moms, her, she has three kids. Her first two baby daddies were killed. Um, when her, when she, her babies were small or when one, when she was pregnant with them. I mean, this is like their life. And we, you know, we meet every Thursday night and they come to the church and it's like this reprieve. We, we feed them, we give them diapers, we give them baby clothes. We tell them Jesus loves them. You know, we just, um, and I thought, okay, th- this is awesome. And then a couple years ago we started for those who faithfully attend, you know, they're there 80% of the meetings. We'll take them out to dinner. Well, we drove them, um, to across across probably like 30 minutes away across the other side of little rock and most of them had never even been that far never been there we have we live we live 20 minutes from the ocean and almost none of these kids unless somebody specifically has taken them from like another organization have ever been to the ocean or seen to a beach or anything isn't that crazy it is so like yeah you talk 20 minutes away so take them out to olive garden these girls and they're so uncomfortable because they feel like they're not dressed. It's not like Olive Garden is not even that fancy. I mean, you know, we're just, for us, it's just Olive Garden. They were so like, I'm not dressed good. And what these napkins are cloth. They never had that before. A waiter came to the table. They've never, they'd never been in a sit down restaurant. And they were so confused by the menu. And they were, I mean, it was just like, girls, like we're 30 minutes from where you live. It's the Olive Garden. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm, I can't even imagine, like, Marlo, I want to take them to your ranch because I think they would be so blown away. I'm, my mind's already thinking, like, hmm, I wonder if we could find something like that <laughs> around here. Because I think until you are in the inner city and in these just violence all around them, I could just see the wonder that they would find just in nature, just with the trees and the animals. I love that. It's just crazy the things that I see and hear. And, and it's like, wow, we have these these gang member guys that are trying to get out, like I said. And they spend their whole lives on high alert. They can't even be sleeping in their bed but and, and relax. Every minute of every day, high alert, because you can be shot, you can be jumped, you can be knived anywhere, anytime. And it's terrible. And here, there's nobody out here but the animals and us. And you can see them, their whole body relaxes for the first time. It's like, wow, you're like a whole different person. We had one kid, cracks me up. He was Mr. Tough Gang Guy. And he's like 15. He's so young, but you know, oh, he's not going to say much. And I put him up there on Smokey, my husband's horse. And he starts in. I've never been on a horse before, he says. 
And then his voice gets faster and higher. The, the, he starts <laughs> to walk off and he's riding through the woods because we have this half mile trail through the woods. So I'm, I'm taking him on that while he rides. And he's like, this is my first time on a horse. I've never been on a horse. This is my first time on a horse. I've never been on a horse. Finally, about a third of the way through, he says, can I videotape this? I'm like, sure. <laughs> Out comes his phone and he's got that phone going. He's looking in that. This is my first time on a horse. I've never ridden a horse before. And then he, he leans over and he shows Smokey. This is Smokey. I, he's the horse I'm riding and I've never been on a horse. And the whole way he's going on about how he's never been on a horse. And honestly, he turns into a six-year-old little boy. And the transformation just cracks me up. I'm trying not to laugh at him. But it's so funny. It's like, I bet this is the first time this kid has been a kid. Yeah. You know? Wow. And we're located like 15, 20 minutes up the freeway from all where all these kids live. We're, we're right here. And it's just, it's transformational. They've never been up here. They've never seen a horse, half of them. Or nobody hardly has ever ridden a horse. That would be, that'd be crazy. But it's like, oh, you turn into a kid. And then all of a sudden, maybe, maybe your options are not either to be shot or in prison, which is all they've ever considered, because that's all that happens. I mean, everyone's had someone die, like you were saying. We've had kids out where their best friends died in their arms and they have scars of the bullet holes going through them. And it's like, wow, this is the life they live. They live in a war zone all the time. But out here, they get a glimpse of something else, that wonder. And I think it can change lives. I mean, I stake my whole life on the fact that it can change lives and it can open possibilities and open our hearts and our souls to God and his work. I love that. And I think not only do they see the wonder, but I think they they can be seen. Like you mentioned, like they put that guard down. And I think one of the most amazing things is these kids that come in that have their guard up and, you know, they've been hurt so many times in so many ways. And the fact that they let their guard down and can be, be that little kid and can let you in and can share about their lives. I mean, that is huge that they feel safe and not only safe physically, but safe that they can share their story with someone else. And, you know, like I mentioned that some of the baby daddies come to our meetings is one big guy, big African-American guy named Marquise. And, you know, when you first see him, it's like, this is kind of scary. And um, we had our Thanksgiving dinner and I said, okay, everyone, I want to go around and who wants to um, share something that they're thankful about. And Marquise was the first to jump up and he goes, I'm thankful because I got stabbed in the leg last night, but it miss, missed my artery <laughs> and I'm here today. And I'm like, uh, that was our very first year here. Like we'd only been Little Rock six months. And I'm like, Oh my word, he just stabbed in the leg last night and he's in my teen mom support group. Um, but, you know, months later, I was driving down this neighborhood going to pick up a young mom. And as I'm driving, there's this big guy in the road in his back's to me. And I'm like getting scared. And I'm thinking I'm not in a safe place. As I'm driving by, he looks over and it's Marquise. Marquise. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I know him. I'm not scared anymore, you know? But it's just like, these are not scary people. They just need to be known and they need to be cared about and they need to say, okay, we need to thank God. <laughs> you know, we need to thank God that we are still here and that we're breathing. And um, I just love that you're doing that there. And I just love that it's all about the wonder. It's all about um, getting that glimpse of God in our lives. So do you have um, any other stories from Wonder Ranch that you would like to share? Oh, I probably do. It's so much fun. Let's see. Gosh, we've had all kinds of just super exciting things. I remember the there's this little girl 
who's um, she's blind, partially deaf, weak on half of her body. And uh, they came out with the blind and visually impaired group. And she came out with her parents. And they normally don't let that poor little girl do anything. They're so afraid. And her life is filled with this fear all the time. So we put kids on horses and around that trail we go. And she kept saying, no, no. And her parents wouldn't let her. And like, no, no, I'm afraid. Like, okay, we'll just give it a little time. And then finally, by the end, she's like, okay, they're going to let me do this. And the gal who had brought them from the office of education is like, those parents don't let her do anything ever. If they, if she gets on this horse, that's going to be amazing. You will, you have no idea. And up she gets. And I put people around her so she doesn't fall off, you know, on the ground walking. And the gal's like, this is a huge breakthrough for her family. You have no idea. And I'm like, okay, off you go. And Brian uh, led the horse and my, my daughter, Joelle, my, daughter number two walked beside her and around they go. And she looks, the poor little girl up top, her name is Yuli. She looks terrified, but we're like, okay, we're going to see how this goes. And around she goes. And then she comes up at the end of the trail because it's a big circle and she's walking and she has the biggest grin on her face that I have ever seen. She is sitting up tall. She's smiling and the whole crowd breaks out in applause, <laughs> clapping for her. And everyone's like, whoa, Yuli. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen such a big smile on a kid. You know, it was like little, a trip around that half mile trail through the woods and everything changed for her. And again, the cow's like, this is, this is amazing. It's like, this is what exactly what she's needed for years. And, ah, oh, this is great. I think this is what it is. We elect, you know, having kids do something they never dreamed possible. It's like, there's a, there's like a magic to that. That's a magic of magic of God in that. And I love it. So that's when I'm, that just happened uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'm like, oh, that's so much fun too. And we've got autistic kids who's like, they're not going to get on a horse. And there they go. Their mom's jaws hitting the ground thinking, what is going on? Something <laughs> got through to my autistic little girl. This is fabulous. But uh, just, we see stuff like that all the time. It's just amazing. And, and the stories we hear, you know, the, these basically horror stories of these kids' lives. And they're willing to share it all because I just ask. It's amazing what kids will share. If you just ask, we had one boy, he wasn't going to do anything but be on his phone. So I plop myself down next to him and say, so tell me about you. And sure enough, there comes his whole life story. And then he was like, oh, I want to ride a horse. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're going to like archery. Go up and, uh, you know, Brian was teaching the archery that day. And the first time that kid hit the paper, I mean, he did not even hit the bullseye. He just had to hit the paper. And you'd think the world was you know, all changed because he had tried something and succeeded. He hit the target. It was like, wow. He was so happy and excited. And it's like, wow, well, if you can hit the target and if you keep trying it, he'd get a little better and a little better each time he tried and finally was hitting pretty much the center. It was like, wow, who knows what you can do in life now if you try and see it works. You're not all just, you know, like everyone's always saying, this was a foster boy that had been bounced around for just all over the place. And it's like, see, 
I was like, he thought he could conquer the world after that. I'm like, I love this little bow and arrow. That's all. And what I, what I just love is like your story and all the hard stuff and the hurt. I mean, God found a way to meet their stories, the stories of these kids. And, you know, you're able to offer them hope and joy in that moment of, of peace. And isn't that how God works? Like he takes our hurts and pains and he brings us joy and peace and we can offer that to other people. And pretty soon they walk away different. I mean, all those kids, you know, that they walk away different when they're at your ranch. And I mean, that's what just what also your book talks about. Like when we have these encounters with Christ, we walk away different. So you, you mentioned, you know, the book was for you. What did you walk away with after you got done writing this book? I walked away with wonder and I walked away with beauty and hardship. I mean, this isn't a, a topic for me, as you know, that is new. You know, we went through all that infertility, but all that, all that crud. And I finally came to a point where it's like, okay, I believe that God's love for me is not dependent on my happiness or on my circumstances. So I, I got there and I needed a little more. And this book is what provided it for me. I saw that in our hard times, God is not about the circumstances. He is really about that deep, deep change and encounter in us that makes us different. And he did that for me. It's like, I just went through what was, oh yes, last week, last week was so hard. We lost a horse. It was just horrific. And then I was dealing with some other mean people, you know, it was like, there's this pile on thing going on. And and I realized it's like, you know, I'm talking about this stuff. I've written a book and I'm talking about it, but I actually believe it. I actually believe and are, am living now in this place where these hard times are still hard. I still mourn. I still grieve. I still struggle. And yet I know that the beauty and wonder of God is found here, even here in the struggle, in the pain. And I'm, I look for him. So I found even this last week, it's like, I'm looking for God and I'm seeing him, you know, in these smaller things, in the movement of my life, in another person reaching out and helping me. And in all these different ways, I see how God is ministering to my soul. And I don't think I would have seen that before, but I see it now and it matters. I mean, it's still hard, but it really matters to see his work in those toughest times. Yeah, I totally, you know, ad adopting kids from foster care, I, that was the hardest time. I mean, we still have the kids, but the first year <laughs> they were here, especially, you know, the older girls was just, there's so much anger and um, anger that they've been building up for years. It's now directed at me because I happen to be the one <laughs> that's in arm's reach. And I just remember times just like crumbling in my bedroom floor, just like, I can't do this. And then God meets you there in a different way than I'd never known him before or times when, you know, there'd been explosive anger all around me and I just sit in the middle of the room and just sit there and pray to myself and just see it calm. Like you must picture the storm um, <laughs> that Jesus calms just with his words, peace be still. And just to see as I'm sitting there praying, the calm that happens is only from God. Like there's no other way to have, you know, four teenage girls all of a sudden calm um, except by God. And, and it, it was, it's, through those hard times that we see him in new ways and we experience him in ways that we never experienced him before. And all these encounters with Christ, um, you know, the, the woman at the well, the, the man with leprosy, um, you know, all these 
they experience God in new ways, Christ in new ways that other people hadn't because they were broken and they were in pain and they were hurting. Um, and they could, they would have totally missed him if they had been whole, you know, and, and it is in those hard places where we, we find him in, in new and different ways. Yeah. And what's really amazing about the whole of all those stories that I talked about in Reaching for Wonder is I discovered that they aren't really miracle stories. I thought, ah, oh, these are miracle stories, but no, every time the miracle is like an aside, it's like a footnote, like it doesn't even matter. Oh, by the way, the servant was healed. Oh, by the way, you know, this one was healed. It wasn't about that at all. It was about this face-to-face encounter. It was so cool to see that. It's like, I come into these into these encounters with Christ wanting my circumstances fixed. It's like, oh, fix it, God. And he's looking at it completely differently. He's looking at that deep transformation. I'm like, wow, I've been reading these stories wrong my whole life. These are not about Jesus healing someone. These are about that inner transformation that happens when we encounter Christ at the worst times of life. Like that changes the way I look at the hardships in my life. And it changes the way that I approach Christ. Because instead of going to him now, it's like, okay, let me give you a list, Lord, of all the things I want fixed. And you see about that, you know? And now it's like, okay, where is God in this? What's he doing? What does the encounter look like? And and what's happening here? I want to see him. And that's really changed things for me. I love that. And I think so much, we just want the thing. Like you mentioned, here's the list. Here's the thing. And, And Jesus is like, here I am. Um, and that's what he did over and over in the Bible. And that's what he can do over and over in us. And I think that's what the kids at Wonder Ranch, that's what your family can see, even in the hard stuff. That's what my family can see. We're like, okay, fix this thing. And he goes, wait, here I am. <laughs> like I'm right here for you. And yeah, when we can understand that and lean into that and see him there, it, it just changes everything because hard stuff is still going to come. <laughs> like, you know, we can can't say, okay, as of today, we never have to worry about any more hard stuff because uh, we, we covered it all. Uh, but hard stuff is still going to come. And it's so scary. Like you mentioned that stalker. I'm like, oh my word. Like that is like so scary. But yeah, it just keeps coming. You know, back when we first met 24 years ago, I was still kind of under the impression that, you know, you love Jesus, you follow God, you give your life to him, blah, blah, things go well. Yeah, not so much. That's really not how it works at all. It works like you love Jesus, you follow him, and wow, hold on. <laughs> I, I think we were like, I know at least I was like focused on, okay, I need to get a book published. <laughs> God's like, okay, you want this thing? Wait, you you know, I have so much in store with you. And, and the book is just a thing on the side. Like it's just something for you to share everything else that I'm going to do in your life. And I think that's with both of us. Like we were that conference like okay I want to get a book published one book (laughs) and he's like wait you know I have so much and these books are just going to be an avenue for you to share about me it's not about the book it's about what I'm going to do in your life that you can share with other people yeah exactly I think back to us we were we were very naive back in the day (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh if only that editor will love me oh goodness yeah I had no idea what I was in for in this wild journey with Christ, like, ah, up and down and around. And yeah, and the books are just 
things where God says, here, let's write this now. And let me show you some things that will be helpful. All right, let's do that next then, Lord. And I'm so thankful for all those years that we had the struggle and we prayed with each other. I mean, like I mentioned, rejoicing when Bethany was born because it's like we'd pray for that for so long or when the books finally did get published. It's like we'd pray for that. Oh, I just love what God does. Well, I am so excited about this book. I'm so excited about what God is doing in your life. Is there any final words of encouragement that you have to share that someone who is just really struggling right now? Oh, yeah, I have a favorite verse. And it's a very strange favorite verse, but I just love it. Let me read it for anyone who's really struggling right now. Isaiah 28, 28 says grain must be ground to make bread. But one does not go on threshing it forever. And honestly, I know in my life, a lot of times I just feel like I'm being threshed. It's like beaten and pummeled and oh, it's so painful. And yet look at this cute little verse in Isaiah. And it says, you know what? We thresh to make bread. There's a purpose. There's something useful here. And you can go be able to feed others, feed yourself. This is something beautiful. And, and useful coming out of this. And you know what? It doesn't go on forever. No one threshes it forever. Because when you're being threshed, it feels like forever, but it's not. And it won't be. God has purpose and plan and is going to work through that. You just have to hang on, keep turning toward him. So that's what I like to tell people who are in the midst of it. It's like, you know what? Hang on. Keep turning to Christ. Tell him all your pain and disappointment and doubts everything and just keep walking. This is a journey and it's going to be all right. I love that. I love how you mentioned that this is something that will feed you and feed others. And I think that is, that is what it's about. It's about God is going to transform us as we encounter him. And then we have something to share. Like you have something to share with all those kids that come to the ranch and with your family and with your readers. And I have something to share with the teen moms that I connect with and we could, talk right now and share. And I just love that how this hard stuff is for a season, but God will give us something that will feed other people. Um, and I think that's beautiful. And every time that's what I've seen now that I'm old and not a young 20 something anymore. It's like every time he's there working, working it out, using all that stuff, nothing is wasted. And I love that about him. Absolutely. Well, again, the book is Reaching for Wonder, Encountering Christ When Life Hurts uh, by Marlo Shalesky. And I know that you will just be so inspired. And if there's someone that you is hurting right now, which all of us know someone who is hurting, I think this would be a wonderful book. Just write a note of encouragement, pass it on to them. I know I cannot wait to share it with my kids uh, as we do homeschool as they've been through so much. I think this is going to be encouraging to them. All of us have someone to share. So Marlo, if people want to find out more information about you or about the book, where can they go? And go to vividgod.com. So V-I-V-I-D God.com. And that's all, all about the book and everything else. You can find me on Facebook too. I do a lot on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Find out about the ranch. If you're interested in that at wonderwoodranch.com or .org, either one. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It's so great to hear your voice, friend. And I, I don't know, someday I'm gonna have to get my kids out there to your ranch. Oh, so much fun. Uh, I love this time together. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Trish. Friends, haven't you been blessed hearing about the wonder that Marlo has experienced as she's faced both joyful and hard stuff and has found Jesus there? 
if you're looking for a book to help you to know Jesus better and to give you hope that he desires to draw close to you, even in the hard stuff of life, or especially in the hard stuff of life, consider checking out Reaching for Wonder. All of us have hurts and pain, and Jesus wants to give us hope and peace in the midst of those places. He wants you to discover more about him and his ways, even through the hard stuff of life. Like Marlowe discovered through her ranch, though her healing was for her, her healing was also for other people. Jesus wants us to provide healing so that we can reach out and serve and love others. In fact, there's a prayer on page 105 of Marlowe's book that I'd like to pray for all of us today. It says, Lord, help me not to settle for good enough when I'm tired and broken and out of options. May I see you for who you really are, a God who loves me and longs to look into my face so that I may hear those words, take heart, my daughter, take heart, my son, and be more than healed. May I always believe that knowing you more deeply is better than just making the pain stop. Turn around, Lord. May I see your face today. May I hear your voice speaking life into my weariness. Isn't that beautiful? Now today's walk it out verse is John seven thirty seven through 38. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. My prayer for you today, friend, and for me, is that we go to Jesus to find satisfaction for our own souls so that we will be so filled up with his wonder and goodness and his love that everything that he gives us will just pour out to other people, to those in need. There is someone hurting today that needs that type of hope, that type of refreshment that only we can give from Jesus flowing through us. As always, you can find out more about me on my website, which is trishagoyer.com. You can always find me on social media sites like Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, under Trisha Goyer. I would love if you would go to iTunes and leave a review. Also, tell a friend about this show. If you know someone who's hurting, who needs a little bit of encouragement, point them to this episode with Marlo, and maybe they will receive that refreshment for their souls today. Finally, friends, I'd really appreciate it if you, if you would also um, support David C. Cook, my publisher. Now, this podcast is sponsored by David C. Cook, which is a nonprofit publisher who's spreading God's word in over 100 countries. They are doing amazing things, and I just pray that you will encourage them by going and checking out their website and checking out some of their other resources. Thank you for tuning in, and I pray that your week will be blessed. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.